Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers who want to grow their business and especially trying to aim for a, either an exit for a juicy seven figure or even eight figure exit or just enjoy the payday that comes from owning a wonderful business and that is not an easy thing to achieve so to help us achieve that great goal is marvin harris marvin is a consultant and uh, is the ceo of ovals with a z or a z which is a free online inventory checking software but that sort of belies the depth that this man can bring so we're going to talk a bigger picture today and first of all welcome back to the show marvin oh i'm glad to be back it's been fun so far i really enjoyed it so yeah fun so far now i'm going to grill you and <laughs> yeah <laughs> miserable yes. <laughs> I, I know it'll be fun the rest of the time, but I can't say that until we do it, right? No, that's very true. <laughs> I'm only giving you a hard time. That's a very British response to the idea of fun. I can't have fun. Good God. So, uh, yeah, so, so. one of the sort of, uh, I guess, your mission that you've articulated to me is creating better sh- shopping experiences for customers by mm-hmm. tackling the trillion-dollar lost customer challenge. So we talked about the massive impact that, that inventory distortions, as you call it, and to use the technical term or stockouts mm-hmm. and everything else, has on our businesses it's absolutely huge today we're going to look a bit bigger picture and really mm-hmm. talk about how to work on your business but not in it now we're going to really i think that the framework really is to try and serve the customer better rather than just ourselves which is often True. the implication isn't it when people say i want to work on my business not in it uh, is that for your convenience uh, it might be but is it also <laughs> for your customers which is probably more important if you want to have a business next year right mm-hmm. so, so tell me a bit more about this before we get into we've got a four-part framework which i love mm-hmm. Before we get into that, tell me about the working on your business, not in it. What drives that? What's important? What are the common distortions that we have around that? Well, actually, we talked about this off air, but it's about focusing on things that matter instead of doing everything you could. So I've been a victim of this. I use this simple concept. What are my core activities to meet the goals I set for myself for the next six months to a year? And what are the activities that just have to be done as part of my business, but don't impact that goal at all? And if you break up your activities around that, it becomes very easy what to put your attention towards. And that's really what I'm trying to deliver from my experience of struggling, make mistakes as an entrepreneur and as a consultant, helping other businesses and seeing which ones did really well and which ones didn't, big and small. Those were common threads. They've, so anyway, and Warren Buffett talks about, you know, he only makes like five bet investments a year, but he thinks deeply before making them. So we, we can learn from very successful people that it's really the focusing on one thing very deeply instead of many things very lightly. 
Yeah, I like that, and I guess that he's investing large amount of money. Yeah. You know, investing in in five five businesses a year, but those are you know when he goes in, yeah, especially like, especially in the last few years with the, the size that mm-hmm. Berkshire, Cap- Berkshire Hathaway's got to. And he said like it's a big problem because I can't really mm. go for the, some of the more exciting smaller businesses because he ends up buying a lot of Coca Cola stock because he, right. you can't buy a billion dollars worth of stock in a lot of small companies. <laughs> right. It's yeah, not exactly. possible. But no, but nevertheless, it's that's the same mentality. And I guess if we think about investing our time putting a real value on our time mm-hmm. and focus which is a separate but different thing i guess that we invest it very mindfully and that's a really great starting point so we got this four four uh, part framework and i guess really you could call it and we started with the problem that we experience as business owners four friction points between having mm-hmm. wonderful shopping experiences for customers and on the flip side owning a really wonderful business is incredibly profitable and a pleasure to run as opposed to a pain and if we're all honest a lot of us experience a lot of pain running a lot of businesses then we've got these four friction points and then we've got to find solutions to these mm-hmm. ones so tell me about these four friction points and then let's go through your solutions to them sure the first one is know your purpose and i'll start there and why is that important because that impacts your customer experience because your purpose is going to determine so many decision points you make that help you decide how you want to serve a customer, who you serve, how you deliver service, what stances you take. In, in, in today's world, and we talked about this off air, like I used the, the Robinhood example, like Elon Musk went after the CEO of Robinhood on the clubhouse the other day, right? But the whole point is, whatever you say you're about, you have to be about. And people are watching, especially if you want to be in business 10 years from now, you're selling to millennials and Gen Z, and they are purpose-driven buyers. So think about your buyers, and you need to be able to link the purpose of your business to them, because no matter what we sell, it will be commoditized. But they can't steal your brand, and they can't steal your purpose. Okay, so tell me more about that. Whatever you sell is going to be commoditized, but they can't steal your brand and your purpose. So, so how does that show up? How does it's that show practical, up? Yeah, how does in a practical up? way, it shows up in customer loyalty and and also word of mouth spread, right? So let's. I like to use real examples. So let's say I sell T-shirts, right? But my T-shirts are targeted for this specific niche, which most people try to do. But it's because I started this business because I this statement helped me feel better about myself. It's about empowerment. So that is your purpose. Maybe your purpose is around empowerment. They're not buying a T-shirt. They're buying your mission. And your T-shirt is a representation of that. And so, but you're going to market your business around that. And the things, how you present your products going to be built around it. Versus if you don't have one, you are a transactional business and I only care about your price. I'll pay 50% premium because I like X because I know they stand for X. Or I pay a premium for Apple. I mean, I love Apple products, so I'm biased, but the whole think different mission is the loyalty. That's how you're gonna get loyal fans. Like they have this concept of a thousand true fans. If you get a thousand true fans that believe in what you believe in, you, you're gonna be able to do a lot in business. Because that, think about the impact of each one of those fans. And I love that tell. thing, by the way. You're saying they're not buying your t shirt, they're buying your purpose. That, that's great. And I think mm-hmm. 
as a consumer, we don't necessarily know consciously that that's what we're doing, by the way. I think as I've got a lot of no. Apple products in front of me, I've got two iPhones, one of which has kind of died because I dropped it in the washing machine and you <coughs> things and, and a new one. I've got an iMac and I've got sort of, yeah, all the boxes from my old iPhones I can't bear to throw away because the boxes are so damn beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I've been throwing things away left, right and centre trying to clear the house up, working from home. Guess what? I can't bring myself to throw away my iPhone boxes. Now, that's there what I call go. loyalty. Loyal to, mm-hmm. the, to the packaging. Yeah, and I think you make the point that what what, it's, what it, this reminds me of is a conversation that that, that I see around or a, a thought which is in the future, there are either going to be brands and commodities and nothing in between. Mm-hmm. And I guess yes. what you're saying is really part of that same thing. And do you think that's true? Is that too extreme? Is that just kind of sounding? No, I, I think that's the world is headed that way. We, we see the tailwinds now. And if you think about whether you advertise on Facebook or whatever, or Google AdWords or whatever, if you think about social media, it's a group of purpose-driven people. They are communities built around a shared interest, and they, they want to talk amongst themselves around that. So let's take your product. And then your product is an extension of that. And I say, oh, by the way, I believe in this, and I sell widgets. Well, I want to buy his widgets or her widgets because they showed me what they're about, and that's important to me. So the first question you have to ask, why do people buy from you? And that's really what it's really about. Do you, can you answer this question? Why do people buy your products online? But, and if you can only say the price or Facebook ads, then maybe you need to think about, you don't have a differentiation strategy. So your price is just going to get lower and lower over time. Yeah. And I just want to say also that one of the other sort of less obvious, terrible Mm -hmm. problems is you have a differentiated product and everyone thinks, and this is a classic Amazon mm-hmm. newbie kind of strategy, and it's not a bad mm-hmm. starting point, mm-hmm. but it's very tactical thinking, which is, okay, how can I make the features of this product better than the competition? Now, that's yes. a very good design driver, I, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good idea. But I don't think that's enough simply because everyone else is running the same business model. I, I think what you've got to do right. is like start with who do you actually care about? What are you? What are you actually willing to go to bat for? As we would say, or you know, what are you willing to get hit for? And the most, the problem with most people is they simply don't care about anything particularly enough to create a product. By the way, hands up, that's true for me. I love right. small businesses. I don't particularly care enough about any physical product area right now mm-hmm. to, to do that, which is why I'm not currently developing any more private label products. But I'd, mm-hmm. I'd invest in a business that's run passionately, and I'll stay out of. It, you know, trying to pretend that I care about something and when I don't, because that's really going to screw you up, I think. And, any thoughts on that? I, I think that's important. It has to be authentic and people will sense fake, right? So I always ask people, why did you start your business? Like when we were interviewing e-retailers, that's the first question I asked them. I said, why did you start your business? They would talk for like 30 minutes. And it, it never was... I rarely got, hey, because I, I wanted to make $10 million. It was, some, it was some larger purpose. Well, that's your purpose. If you, if you ask yourself, why did I start this business? And whatever you answer, that is it. Your mission statement, if you have one. If you don't, maybe that's something you can create because it's going to impact the next pillar, which is know your customer. Yeah, because, I was going to ask about right? that because obviously we've implied already millennials and, and Gen yeah. Z that they're, so, all, they're purpose-driven. So yeah, that, that's probably the next thing. So know your customer and, and know your product, and then you'll be able to intersect those two things, why they, 
to get more sales or to drive more interest in your product. Because think about your copywriting and how it would be different than everybody else's. Because you can tell a story and not just, I have X, right? And we still have to do all the other stuff, SEO and all the typical digital marketing things, but you'll be able to hone in on the audience a lot better. And your, I think Facebook strategies, all your little tactics will be able to align with that and you may, and measure it. I always say measure, you know, that's the next one, right? Measure if you can measure what's working. They, I read an article the other day, which is why I'm really passionate about this. Well, one, this something that was published by IBM talking about this, but second, they said during the pandemic, purpose-driven businesses are outperforming non-purpose-driven businesses from a profitability and a revenue standpoint, big and small. So ask yourself, if you're doing well, why are you doing well, right? And if there's some purpose behind why people buy from you, because you had toilet paper when I needed it and I couldn't leave the house and you decided to add that product, not because you were going to make a ton of money because you knew your customers need it. That is a sign that you're purpose driven because you care about your customers. And so that's why the next step is data. We need to understand the things that drive our customers experience and how we can continuously improve it and its impact on our business. Who buys from us? Why they buy? Because you might have five different groups or I call them community profiles and they all have a different need. They, they come to you for a different need, but maybe the larger purpose is the same. I might buy Apple product different from you, but we may, but we collectively care about the purpose, but how they got me and why I continue to engage might be different. And we need to think about that as small business owners and e-retailers. We can't talk to our customers. They're not walking in our store. So our digital footprints is the way we have to do it, our digital uh, interactions. Yeah, and you make a very interesting crossover kind of point. I guess a lot of people who shop in shops or, or maybe mm. they've owned physical mm. businesses and this is an outgrowth of that. And that's true for a lot of people. Even if you're selling to retailers yourself, you don't deal direct to consumer, I guess. You still deal with people in your market. Mm. And then as soon as you remove that personal interaction, data looks like it's about products right because it mm -hmm. kind of especially in the amazon marketplace where it's very mm -hmm. the demographics data i'm absolutely sure that amazon has demographics data that, that we will all kill for compare comparable with facebook but they don't share it with us as third-party sellers no. and i'm sure they know this but what we end up seeing and therefore we think is the is, is happening is data related to products and actually mm -hmm. what it is, is data related to people doing stuff with products like buying them or rejecting them or giving them a one-star review. And I, I think what you're pointing back to is like, we need to dig through the data to connect to the people and the behaviors, if, I, if I'm understanding correctly. Yeah, just like um, an Amazon seller, if you read through the reviews of your competitors' products, what do they complain about? What do they love? Why do they, because some people say, I only buy, because my wife, for example, she buys a lot on Amazon, so way more than I do. Should have never introduced her to it, but never, nevertheless. <laughs> but the point is, she know why she's passionate about Amazon? Because I asked her. They make it easy for me to return things and it gives me peace of mind. So even on Amazon, if you can't get the data, there's some ways you probably can leverage what you can find out to to make some bets. And then you can test those bets. Right. 
Absolutely. And I just point out that what you just said is, is as simple as it can. It can be as simple as that. I really encourage people, especially early stage entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. but I think it's valid for everyone actually. Ask people, you know, like you live with yes. your wife, so it's easy to do, but you know, Zoom exists, right? We're talking on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Ask people, you know, who love a particular product or who have a problem that the current problems don't solve, even better hint <laughs> that, that you can mm-hmm. serve people well because they're not served yet. And, and to ask them, I mean, like people skip that all the time and it blows my mind because it's actually not hard if you have a community of people that you belong to who have a similar itch that you want to scratch and scratch your own. It's always harder, right? You could mm-hmm. do this with very different groups you don't belong to. I've helped clients do that. But again, I would question like, why are you trying to serve people you don't understand and don't care about? <laughs> like, it. And if you right. do understand and care about them. You probably know them. Go talk to them. That's always my simple device. I mean, it sounds like you're doing that yourself with your wife. Is that? Do you have a sort of formalized way of doing that? Is there a more structured way of doing that? I actually do. Just with my consulting clients, I actually do this. I have a, a little four-step, a different four-step process to kind of go through it. So the first thing I say, let's validate your thesis or your offer, like whatever your offer is, right? And there's a series of questions I want to ask to understand why, what problem are you solving? Even if you're selling detergent or whatever you're selling, why do, what is your value to, you have to have a value proposition. If you're building a sustainable business, like the people that are listening to this podcast, they are not drop, the Joe Schmo dropshipper that thinks they're going to live in Tahiti and they don't have to do any work. They understand this is work, right? And so, Always, I have a, a process where we go through a survey and I, so I can understand you. And then the next step is now let's understand your market. Once we, if you have something that people really want to buy and you can prove it, then understanding who your customer is. And then I, I work with them to create a survey, short survey, five, real simple. And I challenge them to go talk to people that, that you say are your target customer and see what they say, why they were you can solve that problem or what you think and prove it. And then it actually, I worked with a client last week and she was like, this was really eye opening for me. And I would have never done this if you hadn't pushed me to do it. And then now you can make an informed decision on who your mark audience is and then how to market to that audience. But you, then you make it part of the DNA of your business to continuously do that. You know, if you're a tech startup person, you've probably heard of Paul Graham from Y Combinator. And he he would say, talk to customers. So everybody can talk to customers and it's free. You can do it online too. There's groups probably that always like, Facebook groups are really great, whether you like Facebook or not, because I found them to be the most engaged groups. And I can I answer questions in those groups. I contribute because it helps me you can get a pulse on people by joining a group of that has an interest that you think your customers have. Like if I sold apparel where, or I would be looking at influencers that my audience likes, I don't need Amazon data to get and understand my customer. I, I would be looking for that. I'd be interested in what groups are they in, where they talk about this, my type of stuff, the apparel, passionate, and see and and look at the information and you'll probably get some uh, really good information. And if you see somebody that looks like you might be a fit for DM them and ask them, hey, would you I'll give you a free T-shirt or whatever. If you act, would you mind just sharing your why you like this or that? There's a lot of ways you can get this information, even for Amazon's 
holding on to the data, which is, you know, so. That. Which he definitely does, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this is great stuff. And, and by the mm-hmm. way, I can't, I can't say enough of how I, how I agree with you. It's so, it's so lazy to just. And to be fair, people are trained in being kind of very one track and looking mm-hmm. at keywords on Amazon. Right. Instead of thinking about behind the keyword is what a person with a problem to solve mm-hmm. or a passion to feed one or the other, right? right? And and this is just normal human stuff that we've somehow we 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 sort of park our humanity and start looking in data that we don't understand and have no background in sometimes and that was how i was trained and it's just kind of insane so i I love the fact that you're emphasizing this i think it's a very healthy thing for people who sell on amazon even if you're established to remember there's human beings behind all this data so these are the first two steps so this this connection to avatar thing that you're going through so step one validate your thesis step Mm -hmm. two understand your market facebook groups 100 percent agree what's Mm -hmm. your step three in in that sort of process i i always say market the offer right build the offer right so because that information is going to inform how you build the offer and then the next step is how market the offer and then the last one's manage it right because there's activities that have to happen in each step of the process because your conversion or your concept funnels might have to adapt the language you use the copy because we should all remember whether it's amazon or social media they are just closed search engines that all of us have access to to learn more about our customers and if we look at them like that it becomes more like it's, it's a dual relationship instead of one-sided because we can search, we can look at data our customers are searching on because you probably have it in your ads, right? But they're probably using those same terms on Twitter. I've done hashtags on Amazon to find out what people complain about Amazon returns. And I was able to get all this data of seeing what people complained about. This one guy went on a, a 10 tweet rant about his Amazon return issue. You know why he kept complaining? He said, I, they kept sending me the package back over and over and they, I got an extra item and I didn't want it. But they finally, but it took them 10 times to keep it instead of keeping sending it to them over and over again. So people are complaining about stuff. You can put Amazon, cause they're gonna use hashtags. They're gonna use whatever it is, your product. What hashtags are they using for your product? And then go elsewhere where you can get the data and you, you'll probably get some very insightful information. So Amazing. Well, so that's mm-hmm. all about know your customer. And there's yeah. a really brilliant four-step process just, just to reiterate because this is really great and I don't want people mm-hmm. to miss this. Right. Knowing your customer, and I guess the thesis isn't quite about the customer, it's about the product kind of thesis. Yeah, but the thesis drives right? the customer. So I, I would yeah. just say... It's kind of valid- about knowing your customer. Yeah, yeah, it's about validating the offer through the lens of the customer. That's really what it is, right? Okay. Then step two is find your audience. Yeah. And then finding your audience is doing all these things we talked about, you know, who are their influencers, learning these different nuances. And then you can get into some interesting things like what are their desires? What are their likes? What are their yeah. aspirations? Because we're all aspirational. And then you can get to the, you know, the next step, which is, you know, you have your offer and you you become part of that community to to engage with the people who would care about what you offer and then managing it and trying to make it better and better because my needs today are different than before COVID started. And I have to always be in tune to what my customers need so I can adapt to them. And that's what people will appreciate about you. 
Amazing, yeah. Well, this makes mm. makes total sense. We mm. ought to keep generally. Yes. <laughs> I'm aware that we've that with the friction points. This is only one one of them. Knowing <laughs> your customer, so yeah. we've talked about not um, being unclear on your purpose, not knowing your customer, mm. and you talk about not knowing your data, which kind of links in. So, what's the fourth one of our of our sort of friction no. points? Or, or so since we points? all love Amazon, why are they successful? Because they're the best at the business behind the business. Well, we can do that too. So the last one is knowing the business behind your business, because that's the real business. And those people who do that well will be will be very successful. So I'm big on on that and understanding the processes that that are broken, like we talked about before, which is what things are going to lead you to the goals that you want to establish. If I say, hey, I want to go from a million dollar seller to five million. What are the three things you need to accomplish to make that happen? And we need to build processes that drive those activities, right? And what, I, what should I be focused on? What are the two things I need to focus on every day to make that goal happen? Because there's a lot, and I'm talking all the stuff that nobody sees but impact my customer. And I need to build my entire business around serving my customer, not about and my product is an extension of serving customers, not my product is something I sell, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So. Like it. Yeah, this is good big picture thinking stuff. Mm -hmm. I quite like it. I, I really think that the connecting to the customer avatar or, or knowing your customer mm -hmm. is something that all people who've been selling for a while and been relying on just Amazon data particularly, but probably applies to a lesser degree to those who sell via Shopify or, or their mm -hmm. insight. Right. I think it's always good to revisit who your customer is. Clarity of purpose is something that a lot of people, I really, really feel that that's one of the big differences between the doing sort of low seven figures and getting up to the eight figures. I've noticed mm -hmm. that there is a real aura or somebody who's, who's built a seven-figure business, they sold seven figures within two and a half years. The reason they went so quickly, I think one of the reasons, apart from the usual thing of luck and timing, was total clarity of purpose. So I think these these things actually show up. I think for the more advanced the business is, the more urgent these these processes are exactly. to sort out. It's not an alternative to getting your inventory sorted. And the, the mm -hmm. fight we've got as small business owners, of course, is we wear too many hats and we've got to deal with being the chief operations officer and the chief branding officer and the chief marketing officer and the, and the chief product development. And, you know, it gets hard to do. But I, I think, as you say, if you've got three things that are big picture things you've got to achieve and two daily things that really matter, that's a really robust starting point that you've just suggested. So that's also, you know, going to help us to just actually do it rather than just think I should do 10 million things, but I just don't feel I can, which is the problem. Right? Yes. It's, so impact, it's all about impact. So, I mean, I, I, I constantly audit that uh, myself. So I, I, what I would just say to people, do things that for the next, look at things in, in a 90 day or 180 day cycles and break it up into small. What do you need to do to get to that that benchmark and worry about the other stuff second, right? Because those are things that will produce results. So we always have to, just like as you grow your business, you need different resources. And always remember there's resources out there, you know, whether you like or dislike Fiverr or Upwork or any tools, think about the things that you can offload that you're probably doing, but because you started the business, you're not a, letting them go. And then if you say, if, if I'm working on this, what is my time worth? You need to put a value on your time, a dollar value. And then now it's much easier to say what I should and shouldn't be doing. So if, if your time in your business is worth 
let's say $300 an hour, or maybe I shouldn't be working on the spreadsheet that I, I'm, I feel so in love with, right? So <laughs> yes, I, some... I know can specifically visualize two or three people <laughs> uh, in my mind's eye that I'm, I'd be saying that to next week, probably because yeah, so I know one of the people to be fair, one of the people that spends says, well, I spend my life doing in the spreadsheet, and she's effectively the CFO for her business. She mm-hmm. is consciously looking for somebody to take that on. They've got a COO, so chief operations officer. Mm-hmm. And she's aware of it and now she's going through the pain of actually offloading it and but at least you know she's 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 made that big mental leap of i've got to do this i've got to get it off my plate right but yeah it, a pro i think there's a process we all need like big companies use this revenue per employee manager just divide total number of employees by your revenue and you get per employee right so you could do a simple math like that this is my revenue for the year or my expected to how many staff I think I want to have the head count by month. And there you go. Right. You've, you've kind of figured it out and then just use a simple, you could divide. And then that's, that's what you're worth a month. So what should you be doing? Focus on those goals that are really going to help you create more jobs or grow the business to the level you want or help more people. There's different ways to measure. You can measure it around purpose. You can measure it in dollars, whatever your metric is. And then uh, help use technology and these what I call productized services to help offload some of the things that you could help you reach those goals. It's not how much it costs, it's how much it helps you make. I heard Grant Cardone say that once. I really stuck with me. I'm not, I don't care how much it costs. What is the ROI? If I spend a million and I make 10 million, is the million worth it? Yes. Yeah, as long as it's an affordable proposition. <laughs> right, then, it's then an it's affordable prop. For yeah, us, it's... Yeah different it might be 500 bucks it might be 100 bucks a month but think if you think in terms of time everything comes down to time and money so we look at it just from those two lenses where should i spend my time and what's going to help me make money to help because you can't help your you can't hire more people if you're not making more money so if you want to impact your community or whatever then we have to heat these goals because that's the only way you can do it. So if you just look at it in a very simple way and don't overcomplicate it because complication means you don't start. True. Yeah. Very wise advice. And, mm-hmm. and I'm good at complicating things. So thank you for, for saying that. <laughs> Me too. So final thing, just to remen- mm-hmm. remember to mention of obviously mm-hmm. ovals, O-V-A-L-Z or Z is uh, your business. And just remind mm-hmm. us what you guys do and, and how that fits into today's discussion. Oh, sure. So we, our focus is the business behind the business. We have our software tool that checks for free software tool that checks for inventory errors. So you don't have to. So we want to help alleviate that manual effort, save you time, save you money. So you can focus on the things that matter to you. Great. That's perfect. And and what I really like about our discussions, Marvin, is that you've got a very specific tool that deals with a really huge problem, which is inventory management or Mm -hmm. huge opportunity, depending Mm -hmm. which way you look at it. Most people are conscious of it as a problem. I think the ones Mm -hmm. I work with anyway and, and talk to and have had that issue to a degree myself in the past. And but also, yeah, the bigger picture and the fact that everything is part of that bigger picture and, and really uh, what i'm getting from you is the word service or serving customers yes. having purpose purpose is obviously a big word for you and i think those are really refreshing words to hear in the sort of very dog eat dog world of e-commerce and i think it's going to be just insanely like that is going to be like it's been times 10 over the next few years yes to, for sure. judged by the level of competition coming onto the platforms mm-hmm. the nice kind of counterintuitive truth that you're giving is having a really clear purpose 
not only means you literally actually do care about seeing other than your competition shaving, you know, a, a dollar here and a dollar there off your price and cutting your profits to nothing, which is obviously a horrible experience we've all had and will continue <laughs> to have if we're not careful. Yes. But the solution to that is also kind of more human driven than just money. It's like actually having a purpose, actually caring about something turns out is also the way to make more profit which I think is a lovely thing to find because sometimes you find there are some nasty truths in business, right? And I think what you're bringing is ultimately a very uplifting message, really, for me. It's like, oh, okay, so actually caring about stuff is going to make me wealthier as well. That's really cool. So that I love that message. It's a really, really positive thing. Any other question that I should have asked you that I didn't, Marvin? <sighs> no, no. I would, I would just leave a closing thought more so. You know, and I'm a big fan of, of Jeff Bezos, you know, just from... He started in the garage to what he just he's accomplished. But we all can create our own little dream if we care about people first. So I would just encourage people, whatever, you know, Zig Ziglar had this quote, you know, if I help you reach your goals, you'll help me reach mine. And if we keep that focus, I think we'll have more successful small businesses and more happy customers and small business can become bigger in the retail space because we don't want we love big box brands but we want our fair share too so i would just beautiful, close with that beautiful words yeah a great closing can't follow that so marvin just remains for me to say thank you so much for coming on the show oh thank you for having me thanks thanks so much for listening to the 10k collective podcast part of the family of amazing fba podcasts Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.